Well, before we uh, jump into God's Word today, uh, I just want to take, take a minute and pray uh, specifically for some things going on right now. Um, I don't know how many of you have been up to date on what's happening with uh, the fires in California, but it is really bad. And uh, I was reading this morning that right now there's 23 confirmed dead by this fire. And it is uh, ravaging towns and homes and uh, a town of 27,000 people has just been decimated. There's nothing left and it's still just going. And so we need to pray for uh, the people that are being impacted by that, the people who've lost loved ones as a result of that. Um, That's something we we need to commit to praying for. Um, And with that as well... um, the terrible shooting that took place in California this last week as well. Twelve people killed in that. And unfortunately, we've oftentimes become so accustomed to these things uh, that we forget to uh, mourn with those who mourn and pray for those who are hurting. And so we want to do that this morning. Um, And the other thing is... uh, Today, today is a day where we acknowledge and uh, really honor people who've served in this country in a way that many others haven't. And so, uh, I just want to recognize if you're a if you're a veteran today, current or past, if you would stand this morning, I just want to recognize you this morning. Don't be shy, please do that. Okay, so we can acknowledge you. And uh, we want to pray specifically for our veterans, too. And uh, they deal with a lot that many of us don't understand as well. And so uh, these things, let's just uh, pause for a moment, and we're going to pray for these things specifically this morning, and then we're going to jump into God's Word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and thank you that you are a God who allows us to come before you and pray, that you hear our prayers, and Lord, that we can have confidence And rest in your faithfulness. Uh, This morning I want to thank you for uh, those represented here who have uh, served so faithfully and modeled um, a service to say I'm willing to put myself on the line uh, for my country, for my friends. Lord, I pray today for uh, your presence to be very known for them, for them to be encouraged uh, by who you are and encouraged by your promised faithfulness to them, regardless of what they're going through, regardless of what they're dealing with or what frustrations or burdens they're carrying with them, Lord, that uh, they would know your presence. Father, we acknowledge today as well that so often we hear of these things taking place in other states or other countries, and it so easily can become something that we see with our eyes, we hear with our ears, and yet we forget uh, to mourn, to pray, to be sorrowful. And so I pray for those right now who are mourning this week the loss of loved ones close to them, Father. Those struck down in the shooting, Lord, uh, a senseless act that took place 
those impacted by this raging fire that is destroying homes, that has caused so many to lose their lives. Father, we pray that you would provide safety for the firefighters who are working around the clock to put this out. Lord, that you would bring rain. We pray for rain would come and would refresh this land. And Lord, we pray that you would comfort those who have lost, some of them, everything. And those who are still looking for family members, those who can't find their loved ones, Father, I just pray that you would bring closure to this, that you would bring healing, Lord, that you would also empower your church in that area to have a profound impact. Being your hands and feet in the midst of need. So we trust all these things to you, Father. Pray that you bring them back to our mind continuously, that we pray for and lift these things up to you, knowing that you are God, that you are in control, and that your promises hold true. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, get your hands on a copy of God's Word and turn with me to Psalm. Psalms 115 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one in front of you in the pew, and you could turn to page 895 if you're using that Bible. Psalm 115. And uh, during this month, we're focusing specifically on... Uh, thanks, which some of you are going, well, yeah, it's November, everyone's focusing on thanks during this. But I really want to encourage you, as we started last week, and we're thinking about this critically, is to give thanks to God for who He is and what He has done. And that might seem like a simple shift in our thinking, and yet it has profound impact for where we fix our eyes, where our focus remains. And what I mean by that is when we fix our eyes on the things that we have said God has given me, which is often what we focus on during this time of year. He's given me a home. He's given me food on my table. He's given me a family. He's given me whatever it may be. Those are all good and that's important to do. We should do that. But so easily we fix our eyes on those things and we lose sight of the very one we should give thanks to. And so this month, really, what I'm encouraging us to do is to fix our eyes on the one who is the giver of all good gifts, the one who we have to thank for even being here today, for being alive, for being in this place, for having the freedom to be here. And so as we walk through these, just as a reminder that we don't lose sight of who God is and what he has Done to fix our eyes on him. And last week we talked specifically about God's enduring love out of Psalm 136. And many of you should be able to quote half of that because it's the same line for his steadfast love endures forever, right? And we're reminded of that time and time again, and we see that throughout the narrative of Scripture. But another attribute of God that we're going to be looking at closely today that follows right next to and is really inseparable from God's enduring love is His faithfulness. 
And maybe you grasp a picture of that as we were singing this morning and the theme there of God's faithfulness. Now, just as a curiosity, by a show of hands, how many of you are dependent on God's faithfulness? How many of you would say you're dependent? Okay, good. See, and here I was going to think, all right, this is a trick question, because the reality is we are all dependent on God's faithfulness. We're all dependent on a faithful God who is true to his word, who's faithful to fulfill his promises. We are all dependent on God's faithfulness. And so what you're going to do, because sometimes I can say things and it sounds one way, but if someone next to you says it, you hear it a different way. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them you are dependent on God's faithfulness. And so now, now you have no reason to complain because you've heard it twice. Not just from me, but from the person next to you. Okay? But we're going to see specifically in scripture where that, where that rings true. In fact, many places throughout the Bible, you see God, that you see God's steadfast, or as we talked about last week, has said love mentioned shortly thereafter. If not immediately following, you will see God's faithfulness right behind it. And the reason we see that so often is because these two values are really inseparable in nature. Because they're both core elements of the character of God. But in reality, what does it mean to be faithful? We thank God for His faithfulness. We talk about the need to remain faithful in our marriage. We even ask God to help us remain faithful to what He has called us to, right? But without truly understanding the depth of what that looks like, are we not destined to simply speak those words and never truly embody what it looks like or to know? And to give you a, a simple and yet very complex answer to that thought of how do we even begin to define faithfulness, God embodies faithfulness. In himself, what it means to love unconditionally and remain eternally faithful. If we're looking for a definition, if we're looking practically for what does it mean, truly mean to be faithful. You look at the person, the character of God himself. And the cool thing is, is you not only see that in the Old Testament, in God's relationship to his chosen people Israel, but then as you walk through all the way into the New Testament where you see Christ come into the picture and you see all of this play out into the time of the, the apostles and the church. Time and time again, this attribute is Consistent and true, it is evident for us. And so if we're ever questioning, gee, I wonder what it truly looks like to be faithful. I would challenge you to start in Genesis and just keep reading. And ask yourself that question all the way through. It's a really neat way to read your Bible with new eyes. Ask yourself the question all the way through, what does it look like? To be faithful. What does biblical faithfulness look like? And you will start to see this attribute of, attribute of God's character fleshed out in ways that maybe you never did. But when we come to this psalm, 
your first read through this psalm, you might not grasp out of it that this has anything to do with God's faithfulness. And yet, what we're going to see this morning is that very clearly it outlines a very broad picture of why we can have confidence that God is faithful to who He is and why that's so crucial for you and me today. So Psalm, we're going to walk through this verse by verse, bit by bit, and each, we're, going to, we're not going to read through the whole thing right away. We're going to take a piece and I'm going to give you, kind of exposit that a little bit so you, we get some better understanding of that and then we'll move on and kind of walk through this together. So starting in verse 1 of Psalm 115, it says, Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Now, that phrase, as I was reading over that this past week, this is, this is the phrase that just kept coming back over and over and over and over again. When we're thinking about faithfulness, and we're thinking about this reality of who God is and all that He's done and being thankful for those specific things, this verse just kept replaying in my mind. Not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to Your name be glory. And how easily that should be turned to us in our daily lives to make that even more personal. Not to me, O God, not to me but to you and your name be glory. And the question could easily become, well, why? For the sake of or because of your steadfast, that's that same word we talked about last week, said love and faithfulness. And so the first thing I want you to jot down as we think about this is that God's faithfulness should ultimately bring glory to Him. God's faithfulness should ultimately bring glory to Him. Now, you might be going, well, what do you mean by that? And what I mean by that is simply saying that if we look at God's character, and we look at why God does the things that He does, it consistently comes back to this theme that God is so concerned that His name be glorified, that He be exalted above everything else. That our eyes must be fixed on the reality that everything He does in our life, in the life of this church body, in the life of our family, in this community, anything and everything God does should ultimately point back to His faithfulness. To His glory. Not to ours. And how easy it becomes for us to become self-consumed with wanting our desires or our wants to be glorified or my life to be glorified. And we tie God's faithfulness and whether He is faithful or not, to whether or not we are getting what we think we deserve. And when our eyes become fixed on glorifying us, rather than God receiving the glory, we head down a very dangerous path that ends up nowhere that we want to be. 
And yet, God has said, I'm doing all of this that you might glorify me. In Isaiah 48, 9-11, he says, For my namesake, I defer my anger. And to give you some context here, he's speaking to Israel, who has been unfaithful time and time again. He's speaking through the prophet Isaiah to Israel, the nation of Israel. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I do it, for how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy and says, The saying is trustworthy. And that word trustworthy there in the Greek language is the word pistos, which is the same word used for faithful. So the saying is trustworthy or the saying is faithful. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Now, something I want to challenge you with that verse often is taken out of context and used to say, man, even if I am faithless, God will be faithful to do what I want him to do. He will be faithful to carry out what I think should happen. Even if I lose faith in him, he's going to do what makes me happy or what pleases me. That is not true. And if anyone ever tells you that, tell them to read their Bible, please. Okay? This passage instead is saying that if we are faithless, God is not phased by our faithlessness. He will remain faithful to everything He has promised and everything that falls back to His character and making sure that even in your faithlessness, He will receive the glory. And there's so much hope in that because we can come back and say, my God is unchangeable. Even if I shift and I sway and I get tossed and torn about, my God stays the same. We see this throughout Scripture. God created mankind for His glory. God delivered Israel out of Egypt For His glory. God spared His people in the midst of their unfaithfulness. For His glory. Jesus sought to glorify the Father in everything He did. God gave Christ to reveal His righteousness. Jesus is coming again that God may be glorified. We often become frustrated when we think that God has not been faithful. When really... He has simply not been faithful to glorify us. His faithfulness will always be rooted in His promises, His will, and will bring glory to Him. Now let's look at this verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 115. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases, or all that pleases Him. 
Okay? Now, I love this verse because it just states the obvious. Why should the nations say, where is their God? We know where our God is. Don't we? Shouldn't we? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And here's the second thing to jot down as we think about God's faithfulness. God is faithfully present. He is faithfully present. And here, here's what I want you to hear about this church. Okay, this is really important. So everyone look up here for a second. Our God is not in an identity crisis. Our God knows exactly who He is. He knows exactly what He's doing. He is unfazed by everything changing because He knows how it all fits into everything. And He's faithfully carrying out everything He has promised. Nothing has changed regarding that. This does not mean... Now, this is really important and really hard for us to hear. This does not mean that God will always feel close. In fact, we can look at numerous times in Scripture where God handed his people over to their sinful passions and desires and said, okay, you want to serve other gods? Here you go. That does not mean that God changed who he was. It does not mean that he was any less where he was than when they were following him. It did not change God's location in the midst of things. But when we choose to let our eyes wander away, there are many times that we do feel a distance from who God is and what he's called us to. Because over and over and over again, he has made it clear how we walk in faithfulness with him. If we want to be close to God, we have to yearn for the things He yearns for. We have to seek after the things He's told us to seek after. We have to put aside the things that separate us from Him. And so God may not always feel close. And you hear, some of you may be here today and you're saying, God may be faithfully present, that's what He says, but I sure don't feel it. And I would challenge you, To say, evaluate where your life sits in regard to where God has called you to. Because God has not moved. He's in the same place. He sits in heaven. He's not wondering who He is. He's not even questioning who you are. He knows. Because He made you. He never worries about the future. He never doubts whether or not what he has done is the right decision. He is faithfully present on the throne and there is no one or no thing that can change that. Let's read verses 4 through 7. Their idols are silver and gold. Talking about the idols of the nations. The work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. Eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel. Feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Third thing. 
as we think about this. God is faithfully active. He is faithfully active. Unlike the idols of the nations who do nothing, carved by hands of men, who have all these features but do nothing, our God is faithfully active. God speaks clearly to His people. In the Old Testament, He spoke directly through the people He appointed. He spoke through the prophets. And then He appointed apostles and His disciples that Jesus trained and walked with and said, Go now, make more disciples. And then even further today is given us the gift, the precious gift of His Word so that we would know what God says. God often interceded on behalf of Israel despite their continued unfaithfulness to Him. He recognized the fallen nature of mankind and faithfully acted to provide us with a way of salvation through Jesus. And the reality is, there is no other God who has done that. When you stop and think about God's active presence in the working of salvation... That should be the thing we wake up and remind ourselves of daily. I am alive today because God sent His Son so that I wouldn't have to die as a result of my sin, but could walk in life. Our God is faithfully active, He's faithful to His promises. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And here's the simple truth in that. Nothing we seek to put in the place of God will be faithful like God is. Nothing that we seek to put in the place of God will be faithful like God is. They might have the appearance of these things. They might have mouths, but they do not speak as God speaks. They might have eyes, but they do not see as God sees. They may have ears, but they do not hear the things God hears. They are not faithful as our God is. Now look with me at verse 9. And this is really where it shifts to application for us today. The psalmist says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord... Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Now, 
the reality is the application from those verses is really evident. And this is what I love about Scripture. The application is really clear in this passage. It's really simple. What is it? Trust in the Lord. Why trust in the Lord, Matt? It's a valid question. Why should I trust Him? It starts by answering the question, the first question in that. Do you believe He is God? Because if you don't believe He's God, then you really don't have a reason to trust Him. I'm just going to level with you. It has to start there. Because if we don't believe that He is indeed God then everything else falls apart underneath of that. So the first question, if you're going, Matt, I do not understand why I should trust this God you're speaking of. Well, then we need to back up. And the first question you need to answer is, do you believe that He is indeed God? If I believe He is indeed God, then I must also believe that He is infinite, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, and ultimately all-good. Otherwise, He would not be God. All of this stuff falls under the same blanket. And if you start to see it through that lens, you start to see that He has proven to us over and over that He has our best interest in mind. Not our earthly interest, Not our personal human interest, but our eternal interest. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be, I love this phrase, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. How many of you would love to have that reminder? Healing to my flesh and refreshment to my bones. That's something that can only be found when we fully trust in who God is and trust that He is God and that He is faithful. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. The second point of application in that is fear the Lord. Fear God. Now this is not a cower in the corner. I am fearful for my life from this wicked person. So when we talk about the fear of God, that's not what we're speaking of. Rather, it is in full recognition of this is who God is. And when I start to see this picture of who God is, all of a sudden I start to see who I am. And in the same way that people responded when they recognized who Jesus was, or when in the Old Testament they recognized they were standing in the presence of the angel of the Lord, 
They hit the floor and their faces were on the ground saying, God, I'm not worthy for this. Spare me. Why was there that reaction? Because in that moment they recognized who they were in the presence of. And it transformed their approach to him. Romans 9 reminds us that the clay does not say to the potter, why have you made me like this? And in a similar way, in Isaiah 29, verse 16, the prophet states, you turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Now, in that moment, how many of us have had times where we've sat in the presence of God and say, God, you just don't understand. You just don't get it. And I can only imagine what God's response to that is as he's really saying, no, you just don't get it. I've got this. And how quickly we realize, once again, and I love this phrase, you're going to hear it a lot. We are spiritual toddlers because that's the same thing my kids do. Mom and Dad, you just don't get it. No, honey, you just don't get it. Trust me, I have your best interest in mind. Is that not what our Heavenly Father has promised to us in the same way? Verses 16 and 18 give us, and we're going to come back to 14 and 15 at the end, don't worry. 16 through 18 give us this last measure of application. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So what's that third application point? Praise the Lord. If you are breathing this morning, if you have oxygen in your lungs today, praise the Lord. And that's what the psalmist is implying here when he's in verse 17 when he said, The dead do not praise the Lord. He's not talking about eternity, he's talking about here on earth. The call to praise God, to praise God out of thankfulness, to exhort all of this in light of who He is. And say, I will stand here. We will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And so as we think about this today, and maybe some of us are going, I don't know if I have reason to praise the Lord today. I don't know. I'm struggling. I am in the midst of turmoil and trial. And the reality is, that's why we have to come back to a time of remembrance, a time of recognizing God's ultimate showing of faithfulness through Christ. So I'm going to ask the, the servers to go ahead and come forward. And as we think about this, in light of what we talked about in relation to God's faithfulness, to see in John chapter 6 where Jesus reminds us the, the people here of exactly why 
We need to come to a place of remembrance in this way. And Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And he goes on from there and says in verse 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, speaking of the manna they received in the wilderness, but my Father gives you the true bread. From heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Isn't that our response? Oh, just I want to I want to eat this all the time. It's the same same type of response that Peter had when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and he said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. And Peter goes, well, give me a full bath then. But Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Those are faithful promises. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Aren't those faithful promises that we have to live by every week to remind ourselves of? To be faithful, to hold true. And so as we take communion together today, I want us to remember that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the embodiment of God's faithfulness to us. And as we do this, we do this remembering and reminding ourselves, man, why have I been living for myself? When God through Christ gave all that I could have life. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to take communion together, May we be reminded of your faithfulness and may you be glorified in us and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.